This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Let's go. Ooh, what's up, everybody? This is Binchtown TV, and we are back with our coverage of Mike Flanagan's Midnight Mass with episode seven titled Book Seven revelations and we finally finished baby thank god we can finally talk about the entire series give me some hot takes boys first of all i love a story but i don't know i felt like it needed another episode i felt like it 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 left something to be desired but i did enjoy it it was a great show overall i think out of the three three being hill house by manor and Midnight Mass. I'll put Midnight Mass at three, but still overall, it was really good TV and I loved it. So I I think I said on the podcast, maybe not the last one, but the one before that I was pretty firmly having Midnight Mass above Bly Manor. I've been going back and forth on it and I still think I have Midnight Mass slightly ahead. Obviously it's lower than Hill House. Just the ending was, it hit on so many levels except for the angel. And I know we've been texting a little bit about it and I just absolutely think it failed in whatever they were trying to accomplish the mystery wasn't satisfying at all and the writing kind of fell apart and didn't make sense for the angel but pretty much everything else like the emotional hits were great for me we were killing it with all of our father paul guesses and he did exactly what i wanted him to do in the way i couldn't have asked it for him to, to turn good in a better way yeah all that was fine it definitely just felt like this didn't have the same tone as all the other se- episodes of the series it felt like kind of like a walking dead episode in the for half of it. I yeah. thought the exact same thing. I was like, this feels like a horror movie, like in a Halloween-y movie. I was mm. like, I actually like this vibe. Um, For me, I'm just glad that it ended the way it did where everyone died, basically, besides the two kids. Fuck yeah. We were saying that for episodes that we kind of hope this takes a turn where not everyone is in love and happy at the end. You know, it. there was no other way to end this other than pure destruction. And that's exactly what happened. And Bev got what was coming to her. So... Kathleen, give us your uh, ranking since everyone else already started with their ranking. I think my ranking goes in the order they dropped Hill House, Bly, Midnight Mass. I think all three are above average TV. And just because Midnight Mass is last doesn't mean I I didn't like it. I I thought it was enjoyable. I love the actors. I liked the story. Like I said before, religion just isn't for me. And that being the base of it, it, it couldn't possibly have beaten Hill House, which is a perfect season of television and would rank against any of my favorite TV shows. Bly, that love story, you can't beat it for me either. The rest is confetti, Kathleen. Uh, The rest is just confetti, bitch. Yeah, I mean, I agree with all three of you guys for the most part. I thought they nailed a lot. I thought the angel part they kind of missed. I agree 100% that it was almost like you're watching more of like an action slash horror TV show in the last episode. But I enjoyed it. I really did enjoy the entire season. All three of them, like Kathleen said, great television. Hill House for me is so high up on a pedestal that Bly and Midnight Mass don't even come close. I think I would go Midnight Mass than Bly. I would need to give it a little time. Recency bias might change that for me. I might as well really quick 
get into this and so I didn't think we were going to talk about it now. I thought we were going to wait to the end, but I did a little poll in some of our Haunting of Hill House, Blind Manor, Midnight Mass Facebook groups, and we got some interesting takes here. I asked, you know, everyone to give their rankings and I just letting you guys know the number ones and the number threes, meaning what most people said for their favorite and what most people said for their least favorite. So I counted out of all the people that commented, which was a good amount. So thank you, everyone, for commenting. Twenty two had Hill House as their number one. Five had Bly as their number one and five had Midnight Mass as their number one. So Hill House took that one by far. And then Bly and Midnight Mass were a little bit similar to for people's liking as number one. Now, when we get to number three, we had 15 for Midnight Mass, 14 for Bly and three for Hill. And I actually went through that and I was thinking for the longest time we were going to get zero Hill House is saying that that's the least favorite, but towards the very end, uh, we, we got a couple. It's very important to say, though, almost everybody who commented was like, listen, these are all great. Love them all. A lot of people didn't even want to put their rankings because they love them all and because they think since they're so different, they don't deserve to be put up against each other. Sure. And that's true. I mean, just because it's Flanagan doesn't mean they all have to be similar. You can argue Hill House and Bly just because they're in the haunting a- anthology. But Midnight Mass is its own separate thing. It was interesting to do the poll anyway. And yeah, Hill House is the goat. Yeah, I'm not surprised by any of that. I think that right now, and again, it's always recency bias when we're podcasting like a day or so after watching it. But I think if I was to recommend it to an average person that isn't super into horror, like one of our friends that hasn't watched any of the series, I think if I made them sit down and watch both Bly and Midnight Mass, I would guess that most would walk away liking Midnight Mass more. I just think it has a little bit more appeal. And you know how the whole twist, spoiler alert for Bly is, it's a love story. Yeah, That could be a little bit of a turnoff. And if it's not your thing, I could see why not. I thought Bly had a slightly more satisfying ending, but the journey there wasn't as as good versus Midnight Mass, where I think Midnight Mass's ending didn't didn't like crush it for me. But honestly, episodes one through six were just so freaking good. I couldn't wait to keep pressing next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's kind of my thing about the all three shows is they're so... And Jimmy said it, and everybody said it. They're so different. Like the way I look at Hill House, it was just like a story that was so good from start to finish, and chopped up and all over the place, jumped back and forth. For Bly, for me, it started slow and then picked up at the end. And then for Midnight Mass, for me, it started pretty nice and then kind of not saying the end was slow because shit was hitting the fucking fan. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was yeah. crazy. But it, it ended a little bit more on the down note for me personally. And I think that's why I rated it lowest, but it was still sweet. I mean, yeah, I mean, I was actually pretty surprised Luke that you were okay with the finale. And again, you aren't okay with the angel and we'll talk about that. But I honestly thought that we got less answers in general than I was expecting about everything. And when I say everything, the angel should be everything. You know, we wanted so much from the angel. We wanted to know so much about it and we got really nothing. I was describing it to someone who didn't watch it being my roommate and (laughs) Dave. I don't know why I can't just say Dave because we're here. But um, so I was describing it to Dave and I was telling him that I really liked it like as a whole. But if there was like three or four main storylines going out throughout the whole thing, like the Riley and Aaron whole thing, I thought was great. Just the resolution of, of Father Paul was fantastic. And I thought all of the what happened to all the vampires was good. It's just the fourth main storyline thread being the angel 
just was awful. And yeah. that was the kind of the one that this show is going to be defined by and the most important, which is why it leaves such a bad taste. Because if they hit that one and missed on how like, I don't know, everyone else died was a little bit worse, but they explained the angel in a satisfying way. I think I would have walked away being like, all right, this crushed fly. Yeah. See, I I kind of think that the angel was really just the prop to see how the people on the island would react to this. Mm-hmm. And and we get kind of two camps, right? I mean, we had Father Paul whose intentions were so pure. I mean, he said if you're a priest, you see so much death, right? And I've never really thought about that. I mean, people come to you with all their problems. People come to you when they're dying, etc. Besides the fact that Father Paul was like, I just didn't want you to die to Millie, which I totally get. That's very human of him not that's selfish of him. Bev is the other end of it where she's just a fucking monster. She's blindly following. She's the worst kind of Bible banger in the entire world. And it's kind of showing that, right? I mean, Father Paul realized his mistakes by the end and it was devastating watching him die with a dead Sarah and his the love of his life, which he watched from afar for, for so many years and couldn't like have his family. I didn't mind the angel thing. I only thought it, it was fucking weird because I thought you guys were right. Being like, if he's dressing up in episode six, he's got to have some sort of sentience to to do something to be more in episode seven. That's where I think was a miss. If, he was so he much more bestial up, in seven. Yeah, if he yeah. wasn't like when he was just like getting it with Kate Siegel with Aaron Green, she's just like slicing him up and he's yeah. just going to just keep I mean, eating. I thought it was ridiculous when he's in the house and he's eating and they're just lighting him up and shooting him and he's just like, I want to eat. I want to keep chomping. I get the whole point is, you know, he's so entranced by this blood. That was the whole thing with all the other villagers. They see it and like they can't even think they just go for it. But to be shot in the face like multiple times and not even like push them away and then go back to it. I was kind of annoyed and I get the whole point of that scene was to set us up for, you know, the, the slicing up the wing scene and to give Sturge the gun is what I was assuming, which I was happy the gun came back because what? Good call. We're, Great okay, call. Just because we're free balling it because it's Benchtown TV. We do whatever the fuck we want. We're going <laughs> to go in on this ending because we, we just have to. But actually, I didn't even realize that. But that was a good point that not that I liked how he didn't care that he was getting hurt at random points, but you're right that it did set it up for him to just take the knives. So I guess that makes that a little bit better from the Aaron thing, but it shouldn't have happened with Warren and Lisa anyway. So that was like a yeah. miss, but I definitely think that was stupid as shit. Who greenlit the idea to let him have that voice change moment? That was just the worst it, piece. And that might be my singular least favorite piece yes. of writing for the entire seven episodes that, that is yeah oh yeah that they teased this mysterious echo and then showed that he could reciprocate like a voice mm-hmm. and then just didn't touch on it at all and we were like oh we have to get it have to get it in the finale it'll explain everything and I, then got nothing i just think for me it's like super lame that he's just entranced as entranced with this human blood than all the rest of the vampires have a little better taste be it be a little more self-aware even when he's flying away at the end bro how old are you and you're getting caught in the sun yeah. what the fuck also I don't care how many buildings they burnt down. There's there is something. shade. Yeah, I, oh, there totally is shade agree. in this town. Go find yeah. it. I couldn't agree more. I was like, wrap yourself in a few blankets. Yes. Like, <laughs> yes. 
like yes. wait out the night and then build some type of sh- like do Could have done what Bev was, was attempting to do say. super late, which honestly, for a second, if she did it early enough, I thought she was going to live. She was like yeah. an ostrich and just buried her yeah. hand in the sand <laughs> and like didn't get burned. By we nailed else. all the Bev guessing. Maybe you guys a little bit more than me because I wanted her to be not just cookie cutter, just full evil. But I think I think yeah. it was Kathleen or Jimmy, someone said that she was going to had a chance to become the big bad because we, we yeah. all yeah. predicted Paul was going to turn. Father Paul was going to which. Turn. We were talking a little bit negative. Father Paul highlight incredible, of the show. still so S tier. Didn't lower himself at all in either across all three as like a top five I, character. I think he's my favorite character out of all three, which is crazy to say. I think he's my favorite individual character out of Haunting Fly and Midnight. Damn, I didn't. I have to think about that one. Yeah, I would have to, to think as end. well. Yeah, let's <laughs> acting, get back to that. Acting off the charts from Hamish, our link leader, link ladder. But uh, again, I think like Paul said, let's move on to some of the positives because Aaron Green, Katie Siegel, like she is a true hero in this show. I mean, ever since she saw the Riley thing, she was always kind hearted, good hearted. She was always going to be good. And once she saw the Riley thing, she really took this in her own hands to be like, we got to fucking stop this. She found Sarah, got Millie and Sarah involved. And in episode seven, when she says something to Riley's mom, I fr- or whoever she said it to, she was like, this isn't about us w- anymore. Like, we are going to die for people we haven't even met yet. Th- she basically reckoned That's with death. Very Christian like, of her. Yeah, Christian. Mm-hmm. They all were just like, yeah, we're going to have to die for this. Yeah. Yeah. Cool how it kind of turned into what the fuck's going on in my small little to town to we're going to save the world. Yep. Like, we we need to burn these motherfucking ships. Mm-hmm. The moment of them all realizing them being Bev and everybody that they burned the ships, they and they had already all mm. burned all their own houses down completely unnecessary. Totally. I mean, I guess that takes away the plot hole of how do you know people aren't still in that in that town? Like, how do you know yeah. you got everybody type deal? But if they burned every building and no one's out and about, I guess you could say that. But I, I don't know how I feel about it. I love that Bev basically doomed herself that like she got so caught up in the moment she was like burn everything she saw fire and immediately related it to something in the bible where it was like oh we need to burn everything down she ended up being her own demise is what i'm trying yeah but at the same time it's like how dumb are you like you're gonna burn literally everything save one save one house or i guess two because of the church like yeah she thought the church was gonna be okay I do like that they at least addressed it because we we said, like, what, is the song going to come up and just kill everybody? And at least they put the effort in, Flanagan just addressed it by doing that, and that makes it a little better. Like, I didn't walk away hating that, Mm -hmm. like, at Mm -hmm. all. So it it was addressed. So back to, like, the angel for a second. We were talking about him having to have some sort of intelligence and a goal. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually okay with the idea of the whole goal was going to be survive the night, then take the boats, go to the mainland and literally make it's a it's a disease virus contagion Contagion, thing that's just going to eventually spread across the world. And the idea of it biblically like starting in that town of religious, just, you know, idiots, gullible people, right? (laughs) Yeah, Uh, that I kind of like that. That was okay. It's just the fact that someone said it he was way more beast like this episode yeah like he shushed father paul in episode five like and he was thinking and then wearing he, the, he clothes. Does the clothes is such a like he had to think that out and do things and like some of his killings were strategic like killing aaron could have been partly strategic right at mm-hmm. the end when he grabs her 
Um, and then killing Millie in the church scene last episode was slightly strategic as well. But then he's just like a, a, an animal that just needs blood. I, I didn't like all of that because it just didn't seem consistent with how they were leading up. And if they just tweaked a couple little things about him, I yeah. think it would have been great. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. And going back a little bit ago to what Kathleen was saying about how she was okay with it just because she is thinking the vampire slash beast slash angel is the purpose is to see how the people react. And we probably should have been expecting this because we know that when it comes to horror, Flanagan's the man, but he's about the story. He's about the characters. So we probably should have been expecting that he wasn't going to put as much emphasis on the horror portion of it than the people portion of it. Not that I'm giving any excuses because I still think that there was some plot. There was definitely plot holes and things that I would have very much so like to be explained, we probably should have figured that he was going to emphasize the people and just let the vampire kind of be a side thing for the episode. Yeah. All right, guys, let's take a quick pause here because I have something I want to talk to you about. Spooky season is here and we couldn't be more excited. If you're anything like the Benchtown crew, then I know you're craving some spooky content, movies, TV, podcasts, you name it, and we'll try it so we can fill our spooky needs. Well, one thing I personally have never really given a chance to are horror books. Well, I'm ready to jump into some juicy horror books, and I have just the book for us all, The School Bus by Richard McCrohan. On one tragic October day, a school bus on its way to a third grade field trip filled with children becomes involved in a horrible accident along a lonely mountain road. The loss of life is terrible and sends the town into a tailspin. Ten-year-old Jimmy, I like that guy's name, Jimmy Freeman, and his four friends have heard all the stories and rumors of that horrific event and want to go and see the site for themselves. But there are some things that are better left alone. The School Bus by Richard McCrowan is a terrifying ghost story in the vein of Stephen King and Stand By Me. Available on Amazon in paperback and ebook or on audiobook at Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. The School Bus by Richard McCrowan, if you dare. So, like the theme of Blind Manor at the end, we got like it was a love story. I was trying to think of, all right, what is the theme of Midnight Mass? What happens after you die? Is it was that the whole point or was was there not really a point? But it was the the monologue at the end from Aaron where it was her second monologue of the show about death and then like the third or fourth overall. Um, so I was thinking like that's the whole point is like it also living that. And I also think just the whole faith point of it all. I mean, I am so not religious that honestly, it didn't really sit with me to be like wow like i can't see the bigger picture because i that's how much i do not care but there is a story to be told there about religion and people who like blindly follow it or like certain aspects of religion i mean mike flanagan has said this is created from a story of him like growing up catholic losing that faith coming out of it trying to find his own way it's a story of that too it's all of those people on the island trying to figure themselves out and through religion or or not and um i don't know i think specifically owen's character was a great contrast of there's someone like bev who is catholicism bitch and then uh, he's like yeah guess what i studied the bible i know the bible he's like I, i'm i'm cool i'm down with jesus we're we're all yeah. down with jesus you're just completely throwing away all these other things just because it's you've never even learned about it you have no idea they'll, they'll see something yeah. and just make it make sense in the bible and then just run with it and like Same. end up being their own destruction and kathleen when you say owen you mean the sheriff you're Shit. saying owen from Fly. <laughs> sorry <laughs> 
Yep. But I think I, I had pretty much the same takeaways as you about the religious aspect where that's what he was going for. And because of how I feel about religion in real life, I liked it because it's like, dude, you're an idiot. Well, totally. But I don't think <laughs> but, that he was saying I don't think Mike Flanagan's complete story for this is religion is fucking whack dude like i don't yeah. think he's going for that we think that because we were like that's yeah. fucking whack we would not have killed ourselves in that church we wouldn't even been in that church in the first place <laughs> but that's just <laughs> us that's not what he was saying and i feel like because i thought that way that i didn't fully get it well kathleen what would you do if you're living in a town and these miracles are happening i mean okay you're I'm saying you wouldn't be in the to. church i get it because you're not religious now but if you see the miracles you might start dude. being like I'm bouncing unless I grew up completely <laughs> from there, but I would have a different brain than I do now. Like if I, I guess yeah, if I'm, yeah. If I'm Riley and Riley was still like kind of like what the hell's going on, but I will raise you another question that reminded me. So at the very end, our only two survivors are Lisa and Warren. Warren. Lisa's legs no longer work. Mm-hmm. How do we feel about the miracle being reversed? I didn't like it at all. Let me say that I read something. I should have clicked on the source to make sure, but. Someone was quoting Flanagan's take on that, and they were asking Flanagan in an interview or something, something along those lines, like, "What was the deal with it? Is that confirmation that the that the uh, angel is dead?" And he yeah. said, "It's not." The way he worded it was like that the concentration of the sack mm-hmm. was, was worn off enough in her, which I don't know how much I love that for two reasons. One, he still wanted to emphasize the fact that it's open-ended about if the demon lived. Mm -hmm. Right. And then second, it's like, okay, she was one of the most religious people in there. And she what? It just coincidentally fell apart as the sun comes off that. That's the little bit of a weird writing part. She had the highest concentration because she was going every day. And she's small. Yeah. Yeah. She's a tiny little. She's small. Sarah does have a scene where she explains that theoretically the blood, the sack can leave your system, but she doesn't say it would reverse the effects, but she basically is saying that you can still be saved as long as you don't change. So I did see exactly that uh, article. I'm pretty sure it's quoted correctly. Like I'm pretty sure it's legit. And Flanagan did say that it doesn't necessarily mean the angel was killed. And open-ended, do we need open-ended at this point? Not really. I mean, people are saying, is there going to be a Midnight Mass 2? Which, I mean, I don't know. I don't need that. I don't need that. But I guess that does semi-explain, if you're going to stay consistent with the concentration, being able to leave that fast, it does explain why Aaron didn't become a vampire. Because she would have had significantly less in her, and she also died five minutes before Lisa like lost her legs. Right. So I guess it makes sense why she wouldn't have rezzed and started healing. Right. Yeah. And I, I want to push it further and say, thinking that everyone died. Right. So whoever comes to this town burnt houses, burnt bodies, ash, if it's not already blown away into the water, the only two people left are Warren and Lisa. How do you explain this away? Lisa can't even like explain it. If they're both worn out, they don't even have it in their blood anymore to be like, check my blood. Her legs don't work. Plus, uh, Wade and her mom didn't even tell anybody that this miracle happened. You know what I mean? Where they're like, go to the mainland, get tested. And they're like, nah, like that would have been proof that at least that, hey, I used to be able to walk for a couple of days and now I can't walk anymore. There's no way to tell this story moving forward. Mm -hmm. As specifically within the world with Warren and or 
yeah, Warren and Lisa. Like, how do you move forward from Dude, that? It would suck to be that. Yeah, yeah I would just really be like, would. I ho- I wish I died. Specifically, Warren. Uh, she, Lisa can't walk. You have to go to the mainland, somehow eat, sleep, start living, and get over that mental baggage of your whole every person you've ever met died. Yep, it's yeah. a crazy life. I am not jealous. Yeah, I mean, I guess is the point of the whole thing is that like Kathleen's saying, there is no way to prove it. So it kind of just wipes everything out. Yep. And the entire story is wiped out. So that could be part of why Flanagan did that. But yeah, their lives are awful right now. I guess they're just going to have to get back to land, wait for the ferry, and then try to explain why everybody's dead. So so what happened with the blood samples? Sarah and Aaron and Millie were going to take them, but then they couldn't because the all the boats. And then they- you got to assume they burnt down with the houses or wherever they put them. They gave it to Warren because they knew they were going to split up. They said, like, hey, go. I, I guess that was after the whole church fiasco. So that's really going nowhere. The only mainland interaction we had on record would Sarah's have been. girlfriend. No. Oh, well, OK. Yeah, that. But that wouldn't have, which that never came back to play. But it didn't matter. That was oh, we already described that as her being against the, the church for that reason. Yeah. But no, it was when Aaron got tested and she was never pregnant on the mainland she said i'm gonna have my doctor send you the results and stuff and show you i had an embryo in me but that never happened mm-hmm. and never got that far so yeah it, there's pretty much it's wiped clean and everyone was is just gonna think warren and lisa are just insane they would have to be suspects and like murdering <laughs> an entire town right like mm-hmm. you guys started a fire yeah. that obviously burned everything down okay so there was this vampire <laughs> hear me out hear yeah. me out there's a few cool things I really liked in this episode. So I really liked Riley's mom stabbing herself in the throat to stall. Dude, Dope. Was Epic. The shit. MVP. So cool. Remember last episode? I said, who's going to get, ha- uh, who's going to have the pleasure of killing Bev? Yeah. I said, I weirdly thought it was going to be Annie. Yeah, you did. This you absolutely mo- I did. didn't. She didn't kill Bev, but she did give her a stern verbal spanking yeah she did which i loved i was like put her in her fucking place annie and then take one for the team i don't need words with you annie flynn i would like erin green i really like bev's actress i think she killed this role i think this role you couldn't possibly be ever be liked but Mm -hmm. if you know how to play a villain i think she nailed it i mean she did exactly what was on the page and then crushed it so i would like to shout out bev keen's actress because i think it was really really well done that was super consistent with her character for letting annie go she's like i have no quarrels you were super religious yes let's go yeah. but dude annie i we gotta talk about her more because she came out of nowhere her yeah. and millie at the beginning just were i was like who cares by the end of the series i thought millie and annie were probably like at least top six characters yeah look loves annie <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Do you you think there's anybody out there who's like, I loved Bev Keen. I thought she was the best character Mm -hmm. ever. I I think people who love to hate people, I don't think that anyone super religious was actually watching the show because they know that it's going to end bad for them. Okay, They probably think it's blasphemy, the show. There's people out here. Bev's making a lot of sense. Yeah, Yeah. probably. Probably, honestly. Um, I mean, Luke, you said that Father Paul... His actor may be one of the best of all three. Bev's probably would be one of the best of all three as well. I think she played that character to a T. And we talked about a million times how, you know, the angel, the angel, the angel as quote unquote the villain. But really, it's Bev. Bev was the villain and she finished as the villain. Yeah, the show would not have been the same without her and showing how crazed of a person and religious fanatic she actually is. So, I mean, she. 
her acting definitely improved the value of the show without a doubt to go off things that i liked how awesome was it when father paul says you know everybody's welcome in the church it doesn't matter if you didn't go to church come in you'll be fine here when he was yelling yeah yeah go, goes in he sees his daughter sarah pointing awesome gasoline. heartbreaking i literally stood up and threw my hands up in the air when he's in the middle of talking and Sturge shoots her, I was heartbroken. Oh my gosh! Like, I know. Before the heartbreak, holy shit! Well, that was yeah. my number two moment when she doesn't suck the blood. Was gonna be oh, my number two. That yeah, dude, it was literally my. I was screaming. I was like, mm-hmm. "At a girl!" Because I was pissed. You're you're fighting to fucking kill all these people, and Father Paul was pouring it in. I was like, "Oh come on, don't become one!" And she just goes, "Spits it yeah. out." I was worried, man. That Me too. Sucked if she woke up. Yeah, I was. I thought it was so badass. I'm giving a shout out to myself because we yeah, all you got- asked. We all got everybody right about who we thought was going to die, but I got it more right, you know. <laughs> it wasn't the end. I got a real. What are you death. talking? My character died twice. Who was your character? Ali. <laughs> no. The baby died and stayed dead in in this story, so I was I did fine. Who did I say? We don't know. We didn't know last episode. We don't know this episode. Who you said? I was right then. You were definitely right. Unless, <laughs> unless you, you said Warren. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, Kathleen, you said, said Warren and Lisa were, were dying. I so. honestly may have said Lisa. Oh my gosh, that's hysterical if you did. That's ass. Which we all agree would have made the story way more powerful if she died by her mom in the church, yep. right? I yes, I agree. If that, Warren was the sole survivor, that would have justified highlighting him early in episode one a little bit. You start with him, you end with him. It makes sense. He watched all this chaos happen. He was in the religious family. I would have liked that a little bit more, but it's it's fine. Like I still like that he lived. Yeah. I needed more from Warren, but that's fine. Me too. His friend's a piece of shit. Fuck that Dude, guy. Okay, Ooh, but I loved the moment between Sturge and, and the him. friend. Yep. What was the friend's name? Do we have? It was like Bobby. Something like that. <laughs> I was gonna say Beaker. No, not Bowl. Bowl was the one that died from the voice change. Yeah, he was the one His that was racism in racism was consistent. Because he's the one who says Aladdin in the first scene. Oh, and then, and then he says the something to the Raghead. sheriff, right? Yeah. Love Which was like, when that happened, dick. I was like, Jesus. Well, he shot him. Oh, that was yeah. He shot him. So good. Yeah. So that was consistent. Fuck that guy. Absolutely. Damn, fuck dude, that Sturge, guy. Sturge had some depth, too. Uker. For, for Uker? That's his name, Uker. Yeah. I knew I was right. I said, Luker. <laughs> that was a great interaction because they both realized they fucked up. They weren't the religious, super heavy Bev level. And they realized they were wrong. They realized they were going to die. And they just like had a moment of two characters. I did not think we we're going to get solo dialogue time. And I just thought that was good because I don't know. I, I felt like all of the end of the, of the citizens was pretty damn good. Ed Flynn was awesome. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Agree. Awesome. That was badass how he didn't chomp on anybody. But when you said uh, Sturge's friend i thought you were talking about the guy he saved Aww. yeah i liked him or i like that moment and yeah i was like oh my god this guy is like sitting there going i killed my wife i killed my sons no idea what's going on he's like why did i do that and bev's sitting there like nope should have gone to church oh. and you could have saved them that emphasized her villainy i mean she literally was like look I'm seeing all these familiar faces. I haven't seen you one day in church in, in all these years. And then she's getting mad at Sturge for bringing him back. And he's saying, oh, he was always nice to me, you know. And she's like, we didn't discuss this. I said only special cases you could bring back after you kill them. And she's like the ringleader. I yeah. cracked up when she was like, which we discussed about, but mm-hmm. never mind. Yeah. Okay, you can't come back. And then she just salt in the wound like you could have brought him back, but you don't have any faith and you didn't come to church and you didn't know this and that. It's like, mm. So fucked up. Dev. 
Thank but, God he died right after. Didn't have to deal with that for too long. Let's keep highlighting some of these other citizens because Ali was that was awesome. That was a great yeah. moment too. They fucked up. Bev fucked up the second she shot the sheriff. Because if she didn't do that, who knows if if Ali would have done all of that? Mm-hmm. And that was just such a such a good moment because I liked him, especially in the early episodes. I thought he was going to be a be- bigger and better character than he turned out to be, like screen time wise. But just the fact that he saved a day in front of his dad, and his dad got to die next to him, like that mm. was an incredible moment. Like you guys might have had this thought as well, but I'm happy that the sheriff died first. Yeah, didn't yeah. have to see him yes. burn. Yep. The, yeah, yeah, me too. That way, a little bit of coincidence. I'm yeah, lie, but I like that coincidence. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. They were just praying as mm-hmm. the sun was coming up. I had a little bit of a why the hell would you do that moment with mm-hmm. the sheriff putting the gasoline on the rec center while everybody was there. Yeah. Bev even said, I thought you were going to be more of a coward about it and do it while we were asleep. And I was like, that's a fantastic fucking point. Yep. <laughs> why didn't they just chill for a Holy little bit? Holy crap. Why and didn't the, they do that? And then, yeah. Burn yeah. Them. and then I don't know, because the whole response was, well, I'm not alone, am I? And then uh, Aaron, Aaron comes there, out, I guess, because they wanted to ensure that they could burn the inside. That's the best I could come up with. But I was like, that's so stupid. Just chill, hang out. They were about to go in <laughs> and then just burn them down. It's just the plot device for the climactic yeah. scene. People struggling with the flame to light the gas that they put is my least favorite thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, but they're just like, throw it, dude. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? I had major anxiety yeah. when Warren and Lisa put the gasoline on the vampire. Yeah. And they're walking out. I'm like, dude, drop it. Who cares yeah. about his extra feet? Just drop the match. <laughs> Seriously. Man. Like he's going to move. Yep. <laughs> I just couldn't believe that was happening. We already talked about it, but he's just getting lit up by the gunfire. They just start pouring gasoline on him. They're pretty much like, hey, man, we're we're coming for you. We're going to chill here for a second, too, and give you a little time if you want to actually get up from stop stop chomping this guy and attack us. Oh, you're not going to? All right, cool. We're going to light you on fire, bro. It was, I don't know. I'll buy the Aaron part because she did a good job. He was going to take notice just like he should have in the Warren and Lisa scene. He was going to take notice of her cutting the wings, but then she like grabs pulls him back pulls in. Back. Yeah, that was much better because it gave a reason. He's bloodthirsty and there was a distraction versus I don't know. That was pretty genius. And he actually notices them and waves them off. Yeah, you go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he actually like gets shot and goes, no, nah, you know, <laughs> when <laughs> that Eric- was funny that Sipping was for funny the blood. Scene. When yeah. Aaron was getting chomped on, uh, when she pulled out the knife, I was like, what are you doing? Like, stabbing him's not going to do anything. He just got shot. And she starts cutting up the wings. And I was like, oh, that's, that's pretty smart. But then I, I thought it was pretty smart. But at the end, he heals from bullet wounds, right? Yeah. So why can't his wings heal from? I thought about that wounds? a lot. But I think there was an explicit moment. I think it was when Riley died, right? They said it took him when he wakes up and has the conversation after becoming a vampire. I think it's in the beginning of episode six where father paul yep. says he either said it took you six hours to heal versus yeah. like it took me a while longer or it took you x amount sure, of time sure. took me six yeah. hours to heal so he did at least put a piece in there that it takes time to heal okay and she cut a lot of the wing yeah mm-hmm. i honestly didn't expect him to be able to fly as much as he was shown flying either yeah but i thought about that and they also said they're 30 miles out he was dead he's dead in my head yeah yeah and we saw even with father paul like he got shot in the head and it took a while for him to get back up yeah, I'm okay with the healing. I, I've thought about that a lot, too, because I thought that bothered me, but it didn't really. But Luke, let's give you some more props, dude. It's Luke's prop night. <laughs> he brings up 
last episode, he wanted to know, is it going to be very important? The father daughter relationship, is it going to come into play? And it was a huge part. And when it was one of the best parts of the episode. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to talk on that, too, because even though we guessed it, we knew she was going to be his daughter. I think exactly what Paul said, how he walked in and that was their confrontation. I thought that was great. I loved Millie waking up. I thought she was going to be carnage for some reason. When you get yeeted out of the building like that, Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that like them chomping on your neck like he he coming at you like you'll be fine soon if he grabs you like that after that scream you are beat you are bull yeah. like you're not yeah, your bull you know, yeah you're bull you're you're literal like <laughs> but bull wasn't taking the sack so he just was dead straight okay, up true so she wakes up hot hot girl and goes in <laughs> and i like that conversation i like that millie goes I was never going to do that when he's like, I should have I should have like been braver. I should have said something. I wasted. And he was like, I was waiting for you to ask me to give it up because I would have. And and she's like, I was never going to do that. I'm not ruining my husband's life, Sarah's life, my life or yours. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Four humans life. I'm not going to do that. I thought that was really great. And. emotional something we needed. And then I liked it again later, of course, when Sarah didn't take the blood. I liked everything about that. Although I will take a little bit away from Father Paul, because let's just go back for a second. Episode six was fucking lit with the chaos, the, the chaos in the church, shooting Bev. That turned it up to 10. Them in seven ripping people out of houses. Still, my jaw was like on the floor. I'm like, mm. I cannot believe that this is all going to end badly. This is going to be one of those towns where people disappear. and You don't know what happened. Like, it's yeah. going to be one of those. Father Paul didn't do a damn thing to help. He didn't try for one second until that end. Of course, when he's like, everyone's welcome in here, like blah, blah, blah. Like that. That was a good speech, but he was straight chilling. But I think that his trajectory changed when Sarah was killed. Okay, so he walks into the church saying everyone could come in. He sees that she's going to light it up and he says something like good or something like he's down with it. If they lived meaning Sarah, if Sarah lived, I don't know like what his next plan would have been. Like if he would have been like, all right, let's get all the people that aren't vampires and to safety or something. Or if he was just going to be like the way he, he was to end the episode where he's just like, all right, I'm going to accept my fate and I'm, I'm waiting for the sun, just like every other vampire. I don't know. I don't know. But the Sarah thing was a big deal, obviously, to him and his trajectory for the rest of the episode. I love how when Millie came to after dying, she walked up to Father Paul. And he says to her, did he hurt you? She's like, yeah. 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 A lot. Yeah. And it's your <laughs> fault, bro. <laughs> like cracking up, which I don't know if it was meant to be funny or not. But it definitely wasn't. But I, <laughs> I agree. It was funny in a way that's like, yes, buddy. Yeah. I'm, yeah. He ripped me him? out of here. He grabbed me with his claws. Yeah. He busted the thing that you're calling an first. angel <laughs> screeched and yeah, threw me through the front <laughs> door. First, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I do want to back to the positive side of the Paul thing. I really liked the ending ending, like when the sun's coming up for the three and right before the sun peeks over, he rips his priest collar off and throws it into the river. Yeah. That was like a cool final denouncement. He's like, I, he knew we fucked up the entire time, but that was just a cool symbolism moment of him pulling the white collar off yeah. that he said he would have done if Millie ever asked him in, in life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was a good moment. I wish they talked about that bridge a little bit before. Yeah, they didn't I didn't just mean, bring it up, but I mean, what, true. I mean, it was still... Cool. It's a pretty shitty bridge for you to love as a child, dude. Hey, fuck up, dude. All, all bridges <laughs> making are cool. fun of you. He's making fun of Sarah. I know. Make, yeah, all- what? Just Paul's like, damn, I love that bridge. Stop making fun of me, bro. He takes offense on behalf of Sarah for the bridge. Um, so my one question about the Father Paul storyline is, and we already talked about it in 
Jimmy had a theory on it, but we never got a full answer was how did he die the first time? Was it was it the poison that Bev just like used yeah. on everybody? Is it like confirmed? I'm or? way more in on the it's idea that he, that he was poisoned by Bev. I just Bev. don't understand. Jimmy laid it all out last episode. She killed him to prove and say, hey, like you came back. You're mm-hmm. like the chosen one. I just wish they showed something about it. Explained it. I guess I needed a spoon fed to me. I just think that was the whole purpose of the of the focusing in on the rat poisoning. I don't know if it's mm-hmm. the, if it's like the scene after Jimmy. Do you remember when they show it's rat? They show the rat poisoning like a little bit after in a montage. Yep, she's like yep. putting it back on. The yeah, show. Okay. yeah. I did some research on it, and I think it's up to interpretation on purpose. Some people are saying the poison, and other people are saying that there was a little conversation with Sarah where she says, like, if you get too much of the concentration, maybe something happens at that point. So maybe at that point was when he had too much of the blood and it was just going to kill him to turn him into the vampire anyway. But it was so similar to the poison death that I can't see how it isn't. Yeah, I mean, he was vomiting up like the the same colored Mm -hmm. foam melting inside shit. So, yeah, I have to assume that. All right, so what else do we want to bring up before we get out of here? Because I know we went through the majority of the episode just by talking about our, our parts, and I'm sick of talking about the vampire. Let's just, if, if we can avoid talking about the angel, let's do it. Uh, yeah. One thing that happened in episode two that I've been waiting for an explanation for that we never got, why was the mayor so sketchy on the beach? Remember, we yeah. talked about, he was like, oh, the starlings, the starlings dropped dead 10 years ago. And like, he just rambled on and on and on. Was he just nervous because he's the mayor and some crazy chaotic thing happened in his town? I brought it up last pod and I just, I said that that was, you could just chalk that up because there was nothing deeper. And we knew that by last time we podcast, I think that there mm-hmm. wasn't going to be something. Yeah. Right. So I don't know. I guess it was just how we took it. I don't think there was anything really that crazy about it's it. Strange. Yeah. Luke pretty much gave his explanation just saying trying to save face as the mayor of the town and i was fine with that answer for a second i really was confused about the rules about rezzing because the whole sturge rezzing the family man that threw me off so badly i was like why did they need to do that but nobody else needed to do it you guys were good with that right on first watch that you knew he didn't take the sack yeah 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 that's just exactly how riley was you know you can kill him or have him on the verge of death and feed him the sack right before death or as he's dying and he'll come back they showed the mayor doing it uh once or twice during that whole pulling people out of their homes montage so i guess like what bev said they said okay there's a few people that we can turn Mm -hmm. here they are and sturge just went crazy yeah i was about to flip the table when i thought for some reason that annie wasn't going to come back when she um, yeah, I was like, yeah. okay, this breaks all of the rules. Dude, you should have seen my note. This better, she better wake the fuck up. I was <laughs> and then she does. And I was like, that's good. But yeah. it's still that Annie moment, top tier. Her yep. yeah, getting back with Ed. We talked about it real briefly, but the fact that they're like, I can feel this hunger. And Ed was like, yeah, I feel it too, but just fighting against it. You don't, yeah, you we don't have to do it. Right. We don't have to do it. That was Henry Thomas, man. He's yeah. a saint. He's awesome. Yeah, listen to our interview with Henry Thomas when we talked to him after Bly Manor because, wow, he's the man. I'm so happy we talked to him because he undersold it on the interview. I think I remember him saying he was barely in Midnight Mass. Yeah, he, he, he wasn't like a main character, but I wouldn't say he wasn't an A or a B character, but he was definitely a C character. He was yeah. Episode yeah. had lines, had an impact, and he crushed it acting wise, of course, especially yeah. in the end with 
that scene we just mentioned with Annie. So I, I did really like how Annie and Ed turned out because I had a misconception from the beginning. I thought they were just going to be obstacles to Riley and they were for a little bit, but their resolution was good. Yeah, it's strange that they ended up still singing hymns going into their death, waiting for the sunrise, still singing the church songs, even though the, the church kind of turned on them and killed them, but they still have their faith. It's interesting. And I mean, so the, the, the rest of the town, that was the whole point. They were like, you know, coming together. Still have their faith. I mean, that's probably another moral of the story for Flanagan. All right, guys, one more pause here because I have another book recommendation from our new friend, Richard McCrowan. We've been talking about all the religious content in Midnight Mass. And Luke, I know you said you're a big fan of religion and fiction, so I think this one will definitely interest you. Salvation Mountain. College professor Jeffrey Cole and his three student assistants travel to the deep backwoods of the Appalachian Mountains in northern Georgia to do research on Father Divine, a rural preacher that 100 years ago created a fanatical religious cult that overwhelmed and murdered the mountain people in the dense backwoods of Salvation Mountain. But they find that the zealous fires are still burning strong and that the wages of sin is death. The novel Salvation Mountain by Richard McCrowan is available on Amazon, paperback, ebook, and also in a powerful audiobook on Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. Salvation Mountain by Richard McCrowan. If religion is the opiate of the people, then this is the crack cocaine. But I like that because they realized that this was all man created. It wasn't their religion. And they were going back to it. Like, if we're really about to go to the afterlife, we're going to go to our version of the afterlife in our head and sing this out, which was powerful. And I have to bring this up because I thought it was incredible. Is it cinematography? I don't even know if it falls under that or sound top, whatever. The sound at the end after they died and stopped singing. And it was just deathly silent for like yeah. a really long time and i don't know if you, how long you guys watch the credits for but once it fades to black all you hear is like the wind on the water that warren and lisa are sitting on just barely sounds and it's just <laughs> creepy and it was so well done and i thought that was a perfect way to end it because i just didn't turn the black credits off of nothingness because it was just i thought it was powerful i agree i, I thought it was awesome i was a little upset with the the final line being i can't feel my legs i, I don't know why I guess because we said if everybody reverts, we'll be upset. I just took it like a last line where it just shows that this entire story happened. And, you know, whether it's the vampire, the angel, whatever it is, it's over. The effects of it are not going to last. And when you were bringing up, we were going to be mad if they revert. I think mostly we were talking about if the vampires reverted back to people and lived. Okay. Yeah. I'm fine with the people who had the sack and their healing going back to just being normal people. That's fine. I would have just been pissed if they did the cop out where, say, like Annie loses her vampire power and becomes a normal person again or something. All the yeah. townspeople don't die in the end. Right. Gotcha. I think that line honestly seems to me like something Flanagan probably wrote at the beginning. He was probably like, I'm just going to end it with Warren and Lisa escaping. And just doing that, like that wouldn't surprise me at all if you told me that was one of the first things like he decided he wanted to end it on. But I could see where your complaints come in. Like, I don't love it, but I also once flying and talked about it like it's fine. The concentration thing also it vibes with me for the Aaron not coming back as a a vampire so quickly either. I don't know. No, I'm not saying I loved it. Not saying I hated it. I just think that, you know, we should emphasize the fact that we're again, we talked about this in the very beginning of the episode. We're comparing this to one of our favorite shows of all time, Hill House, and another very, very, very strong series or you know season 
with Bly Manor. If we're going to hit with numbers here, I honestly go 10 out of 10 for Hill House. And then, you know, maybe Bly is a 8.5 and maybe Midnight Mass is 8.5 or 8. You know, we're talking about good television. Mm-hmm. We're just comparing it to some of the best television. So that's why it seems like we may be being a little negative here. But that's the point of our podcast. We're going to critique stuff. But yeah, this was a great show. Really enjoyed it. Going to watch anything Flanagan comes out with from now on. I'm going to go backwards and watch some of those movies. I know Paul Emily's going to make you do that as well. Mm-hmm. We have a couple weeks until Halloween, so I'm going to knock those out. Uh, this is a little bonus content for any of you fantasy nerds out there, but tell me at least one of you two had the thought when the ash started falling. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because okay. <laughs> I was just thinking this is what it would have been like to live on the Mistborn world. Oh, yeah. Shout out Brandon Sanderson for the Cosmere. Like, holy shit. That's what I always picture whenever I see Ash now. Even when I'm sitting by a fire, I see Ash. I'm just like, this is this is what they live in. <laughs> Me too. And I, I mean, even going back further, we can talk about Game of Thrones with the Ash falling in the throne room. But I was going Mistborn too. <laughs> okay, baby. So my final thoughts are as follows. I think that in Hill House and Bly you really have limited amount of characters. It's nine and 10 episodes. You're spending all your time with maybe six, seven actors and actresses. Hill House a little bit more because they're kids and adults, which just doubled the time you're spending with them because you are spending your their whole lives with them. You see them as kids, yeah. you see them as adults, you fall in love with them. Bly, you're literally with like the six people in the house for nine episodes besides the obviously the eighth episode, the special episode. This one felt like there was there was probably too many characters, less episodes, and meaning that the stakes were lower for me that everyone died. If Hill House ended, that everyone died, I would kill myself <laughs> because I love those I love those characters so much. It could have happened in the but red in this room. This one, I'm like, you know what? They probably had it coming for being <laughs> such Bible bangers. No, but I, <laughs> but I'm kidding. But I I think that that was what made it a little bit lesser for me. So I guess what my final thoughts are. I wish it was more episodes with more time, but I'm almost glad that it like more time with the characters themselves to like really build the stakes. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm glad it was seven. If it was going to be religion, I don't know if I could have hung on for 10 mm-hmm. and I don't want more time just to stretch it. I only want more time if it was going to use it valuably with the characters. Do you guys agree? Did you feel the super high stakes with these characters? I felt definitely more in love with the Hill House and Bly characters. Um, Their deaths would matter more to me than Midnight Mass characters. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, like you said, spending less time with these characters, knowing less about them, I'm not going to be as distraught just just because I don't know you as well. I'll definitely agree with about the stakes, too, because to me, besides, because I didn't care that much about Warren and Lisa, to me, it felt like all or nothing. Either everyone's going to die or no one's going to die. Yeah. So you're right. That's actually a good point. And I never, and I didn't never verbalize that in my head. So like now I guess you're right. Like the stakes weren't that high. Yeah. Overall, like, are you at least happy you watched it? Like you don't. Oh, watching oh, it? absolutely not. I love anything planning. I thoroughly yeah. enjoyed it. It was up against two of my favorite shows of all time. Yeah. I know you guys don't think Bly's as good as Hill House, but Bly's right under Hill House for me. It's really up there. And I think that a show would have a very hard time getting up there matching. So I mean, this is great. I would recommend and I have recommended this show Mm -hmm. to anyone, especially people who are like me, who um, used to be religious or at least at least be like 
go to raised with religion. Yes. Mm -hmm. And fallen off. Or like my friend, one of my best friends, Bobby still goes to church every Sunday. I'm like, you got to watch this show. Like you're going to like it. Just like Paul knows way more religion than us three. And he enjoyed all the, all that fucking junk. So (laughs) I loved it. (laughs) I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. And it's tough because if, if we were covering this and we didn't have to compare it to Hill house and by, we wouldn't be talking about them so much. Mm -hmm. We would just be like, it was cool. The comparison is evil. It was sweet. Okay. We didn't do any Bank Hill Marys for this season. It's only seven episodes. We didn't know the characters that much. There's There wasn't that many selections. But for this one, we're going to do a Kate Siegel, Mike Flanagan, Bank Hill Mary. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. So you know I got to marry Theo, baby. <laughs> so our <laughs> options here, for if you don't remember their names, we have Aaron Green in Midnight Mass. Yes. Mm-hmm. We have Viola in The Haunting of Bly Manor. And then Dang. we have... Theodora Crane in The Haunting of Hill House. And the catch is you would have to bring this person and all their mental baggage and you're marrying them in real life. Or okay. you're banging them in real life or killing them. Easy. I yes. marry Theo, my gay queen. I'm here for that. Um, she is amazing. I, mean, I don't think there's any flaws of Theo. By the end, she was fine with her girl. I mean, she had big issues, of course. I mean, their whole life is issues, but... I think Theo would be cool. Um, I mean, mm, that kind of sucks because Aaron would be a good one to marry. <laughs> Shit. Um, either way, I think I'm gonna fuck me. Okay. Yes, I'm gonna marry Theo. I'm gonna kill Aaron, and I'm gonna fuck Viola because Whoa. Hot, hot and a period piece. I'm into it. <laughs> I'm in the 1800s all of a sudden. I call next. Okay, cool. No, Get it. Back. <laughs> uh, I'm definitely going to marry Aaron Green because uh-huh. she's the one who's the sanest. And well, by the end, she gave up her religion. She was all in on Riley's ideology on death. And I love that because I, I, I have the same exact mindset. And I'm, I'm going to bang Viola because she was crazy and awesome. And I also would have felt wrong banging uh, Theo because, you know, she's mostly into girls. I don't know if she was bi or whatever. You said that but... on the did I? Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. And also, she would freak the fuck out if she touched me. I don't want to. I don't want her seeing things and shit. What do you have to hide, Luke? What do you have to hide from Theo? I love Viola. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> but they all go. look the same for some reason. All three of them. Oh man. Um, I guess I'm going to. Uh, this is tough. All right, you know what? Viola's I'll... got some crazy in her, and that's a that's a good thing. I want to <laughs> marry Theo because. I want to be brother-in-laws with, I can't even think of his name. What's, what's the character? Steven? Steve. Steve sees a ghost. You like Steve? Yeah, he's a famous author. That'd be cool. What about Luke? I'd rather be stepbrothers with Luke or brother-in-laws with Luke. Yeah, he's cool, too. I mean, he got my back just as long as he's out of rehab. As long as he's not getting well, dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to bang Viola because I honestly, I loved lady of the lake i think it was the coolest fucking ex- explanation of why everything was happening in incredible live. episode yeah it was such a good episode it's up there for out of the all three i think that's like my second or third favorite episode she looks great in black and white oh yeah <laughs> and she looks great in everything and then yeah i guess that leads me to kill erin green mm. and sorry but she's gonna die anyway so fucking i'm just speeding it up all right, take us home, Jimmy. You got a lot of variety there, so you won't. Yeah, actually, I w- I'm surprised that we didn't get very similar answers, but I think I'm going to marry Aaron Green. I think she's the best version of Kate Siegel's characters for marrying. I think she was awesome. 
Um, I liked a lot her relationship with Riley. I liked her ride or dieness with Riley. So she's going to ride or die with me until we both turn into vampires and burn in the sun. I am going to bang Theo. Gloves on or off? Gloves are off. She can see whatever she wants to see. I'm not hiding anything. Uh, And then I'm going to kill Viola. And hopefully she doesn't come back to haunt me. For what it's worth, I still would stand by that. um, Theo is the best acted version of Kate Siegel. Yeah, I think so. But she also had the most lines and it was Mm. probably the easiest to be the best acting version because that was like the best written show. But yeah, either way, Kate Siegel is just the shit. I was yep. watching um, yesterday on TV is 21, you mm. know, the movie with Kurt. Oh, yeah. It's, it's Professor X. Uh, McAvoy is the main character. And no, that's that, that's uh, one. No, that's sorry, one. Did I say 21? 21 is, is I love he that movie, too, though. He looks the same <laughs> as the freaking main character. You're right. McAvoy <laughs> in in Wanted and Angelina Jolie. That version of Angelina Jolie looks so much like Kate Siegel. Oh, yeah. And it's just they're both just perfection. But yep. What a powerful bank he'll marry to end up Midnight Mass. All right, guys. So to finish this episode up, we want to bring up the fact that we have one more special episode for you guys based on Midnight Mass, because this is our last episode coverage of it. The finale is over. So we just had today the Newton brothers on our podcast. In the last seven years, they've composed every Mike Flanagan film and television show. They are one of the greatest parts of all of his work. The two of them together, meaning Flanagan and the Newton brothers, are phenomenal. We had such a great time talking to them. One of the Newton brothers, Andy, was the organist in Midnight Mass. He made his debut, his television debut on Midnight Mass. We got a chance to talk to him about that. We had a great conversation with them. That should be dropping probably next week or so. So look out for that. The coolest guys ever. They were. So they are. Cool to Definitely. Yeah, they they were such cool guys. Open invitation to come back on the pod for any time. They said they're working on another thing for Flanagan right now. They're actually in crunch time and they still took time out of their day to talk to us. We'll be covering whatever he does next. So can't wait for that. If you like what you heard, uh, you can find us on BingetownTV.com, Bingetown TV on Twitter and Instagram. We have a Patreon now. We want to thank our patrons. We love doing our exclusive episodes for them. We have exclusive interviews, video interviews with the celebrities that we have interviewed, including the Newton brothers that will be on the Patreon. Plenty of exclusive stuff for you guys. Uh, We can't wait to keep doing more. Patreon.com slash Bingetown TV. You can find it on our Instagram uh, link in the bio. You can find it on our website. Once again, we are Bingetown TV. And thank you so much for listening. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.